Blog Talk Radio. I like to do one impossible thing before breakfast. Today, that meant putting on pants. I'm Brett Singer. This is my show. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to Brett from the Bunker. It is Wednesday, May 13th. It is the year 2020. I'm wearing pants, but you don't have to. It's really up to you. It's a personal choice. And I am joined here today by Amy Veltman. Amy. Hello. Hello, hello. I'm wearing a skirt. A skirt. Uh, See, I could have worn a skirt, but, you know, it's a little big on me. You know, I've lost some weight, so i got to get the belt. It's a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. so uh, I ask everyone this, and so I will ask you, how are you holding up? I'm holding up relatively well, actually. I really I have no cause to complain. Uh, my, my kids, I actually like them, so that's great. My husband, too. And, uh, yeah, it's, you know, I think for, for people who, like, I, I consider myself an ambivert. So do you know that term? I, I know Somebody it from you, who, and I have adopted it. I oh, love okay. it. So to explain explain that right. to people. So an ambivert is somebody who has characteristics of both an introvert and an extrovert. So a lot of people who would meet me would think, oh, she's outgoing, she's friendly, she's not shy, she must be an extrovert. But one of the ways I can tell I have introvert tendencies is that after I do something extroverted and outgoing, I feel exhausted and kind of need to recharge my battery. And so I'm an ambivert. Like I, and so anyway, for somebody like that, there this offers so much battery recharging time, and it's just mm. great. But even see, I I never had a name for what I was. This was this was when you said that. Um, I said, wait a minute, I think that's me because I, I'm mm-hmm. absolutely not – I would not consider myself a full-on introvert because I'm very social. I enjoy being social. I One of the things that I've loved about getting into comedy the last couple of years is, is all this, is the social aspect of it and all the friends that I've made. But at the same right. time, I can't go – all day, all night, you know, without a break. Like I can do, I can do it occasionally, but you know, like a lot of times with comedy, like you could in theory be out every, well, you know, back when we could do that, we could be out every single night and I kind of needed a break. Like every now and then I kind of need to stay home and watch TV and it never occurred to me that those two things could exist, could coexist. Um, I do think that it's true even with the online stuff that the zoom, like a lot of the, the, the zooms can be a little fatiguing that can take a little bit what out of you. Would you agree with that? There, oh there's, gosh, if you Google I... Zoom fatigue, that's, that's the phrase that has been applied to it. There, there are, there's apparently, you know, look, it's one of those, I'll say it's brain science when really what it is is I read an article that said it was brain science because what the hell do I know? <laughs> but according to the article I read, it's brain science. It's got something to do with um, when you see all those faces on screen, you don't know where to look. Um, there's something about right. not being able to read physical cues is a little more taxing. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's socializing, but you don't think of it as socializing because you're sitting in your house, you know, presumably wearing pants or a skirt, but, but you might, but you don't have to be, you know, that's sort of weird right there that it's just, it's an adjustment. It's, it, your brain is doing things that it's not used to doing. And I think it's a little bit taxing. Yeah. I, um, 
I think one way that I get around that not knowing where to look is I just stare at myself the whole time. So that makes it energizing. I go uh, back another... and, I go back and forth with that. I don't always want to stare at myself. Like sometimes I want to look at other people. Like I, I can't help it. Like if I'm doing a set and it's a mic or a show, I find myself very much drawn to like, oh, my God, what is my face doing? But, but when what I should be doing is looking at other people to see if they're laughing. That's funny. Yeah, I I also read a thing about Zoom fatigue where there's we have this uh, interaction with other people. This is another brain science wannabe thing where we do this mirror neuron thing where there are these micro expressions that we make in response to other people's expressions and that that's kind of this subterranean level of communication that that goes on between people in real life and that because of the technology as good as it is there's almost an imperceptible delay in the intake of all that information and what people see and that that has been floated as one explanation of why it might be especially tiring Ooh, you said mirror neurons. That's a that's a cool one. I like that. Yeah, mirror neurons I are fun. Dropping that bomb. Yeah, no, that was that was good. That was pretty good. I like that. I definitely like that. No, I think they're, <laughs> I'm sure I'm I'm saying you know blah blah blah. They say it's brain science. What the hell do I know? I'm sure that's you know I'm sure it's accurate. And I'm sure everything that you just said you know it all makes perfect sense. It's just it you know it we've had to rush to come up with these things the last. I guess there's probably been some studies about video conferencing and things of that nature, but now we're so consumed by it and it's just such a part of our lives that I don't think the science is really going to catch up anytime soon. Yeah, I think people are probably going to work on it pretty hard. I don't know. I mean, I, I run a comedy open mic every Monday at 1230, uh, a Zoom mic, and I've limited it to an hour and I am so exhausted after that hour, just sapped in a way that I never was when I would host a two-hour live open mic. So, I don't know, the struggle is real. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's funny because I mean, you say, like, you can't complain, and I totally agree with that. Like, I, I'm actually somewhat surprised at how well I've, I've adapted. Like, I, I feel mm-hmm. like it's been... Like, I mean, what the, what's it been, two months now? And, you know, I barely go outside and whatever. I mean, you know, I just do other things. I, 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 like, I, I feel busy. I don't know about you, but I definitely feel busy. Like, I don't mm-hmm. feel like I'm just sitting around. I'm not sitting around watching Netflix. Um, I actually sometimes have trouble watching the TV that I, you know, that I want to watch. Like, I, I have not binged Tiger King. I have not, you know, done any yeah. of the things that some other people are doing. And, but at the same time, um, you know, it's obviously it is a little draining and, you know, there, I, I think it's okay to complain a little. I, I think it's just a matter of yeah. complaining with an, with an eye on gratitude with kind of, you know, thinking of what you have and how lucky you are. Right. And, and I do feel incredibly lucky. I mean, you know, it isn't, it is very different and it's taken a lot of adjustment. Like at the beginning I was approaching this period of time thinking, oh, well, this isn't real time. This is a break from my regular life. And it took me a while to understand, no, this this is just as real, even though it's different, as other time. And the thing that made that happen was when um, a friend of mine 
I don't know. I think you must know her, Sarah Cooper. Do you know oh, yeah, Sarah yeah. Cooper? Yeah. She had this tweet that went hog wild crazy where yep. she, you know, this tweet, she was, uh, she basically took the audio of Donald Trump talking about injecting bleach or sunlight or whatever. She took that audio and then she acted it out as as crazy as it actually is by pretending to spray products on herself and it was just it was so funny and Jerry Seinfeld wrote to it in the New York Times in this article that they in the interview that he had about his new special and everything and and I just was like oh my gosh some she blew up I mean she became famous and got millions of followers in one day from doing one totally iconic thing that I would argue altered the course of democracy possibly. And, (laughs) you know, I was in such awe and admiration, but it also was a big wake up call to me. Like this, this is a time that you can create, you can do, and in a way you must to the extent that you can. So, uh, Thank you, Sarah Cooper, for also changing things for me, but yeah, putting the pressure on. Sarah's Sarah's killing it. I mean, that was amazing to you know have. Yeah. You know, this is it's one thing it's one thing to get mentioned in a major newspaper. It's another thing to be mentioned by, you know, the most the most successful comic anywhere. <laughs> you know, that's yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. That's a pretty good plum. Like you'll you'll be able to dine out on that one for a while, um, and it, and it's the perfect time for it. Like you know, there was another time like if it had happened, that would have been nice. But, you know, it was, it was literally linked to, you know, like, it's like, here, here is where you can find her. It wasn't just like he mentioned her name and everybody's rushing to look it up and they don't know where she is and whatever. Like, it was, it was really, it was very well done. So uh, next yeah. time I see Jerry, I'm yeah. going to give, give, him a, give him a pat on the back and say thanks for that. <laughs> so I'm sure he'll really appreciate that. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. He, loved, he loves it. He loves it when new comics talk to him. He just thinks that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what they want to bother him before he goes up, does a set. It's just, it's great. It's just terrific. It's terrific. That's he cool. loves it. Um, so Amy, how did you get into comedy? Uh, well, long or short version. I don't even know how much time we have here together. It's, just, uh, I mean, I'll the whole, the whole thing is 45 minutes. We've been talking about 10. So, um, okay. your call. Okay. Uh, well, What happened is about eight years ago, I moved back to New York with my family. I had lived here for college. I had lived here for graduate school. I had left in between all those. And and then, you know, I went away. I got married. I had kids. We came back here eight years ago, and I had been living in Portland, Oregon, and I started taking classes when I got here in improv, cabaret, humor writing, kind of all circling the drain of of stand-up comedy but never really ducking in. And I just became kind of a class addict in New York because all the classes that I was taking here, they were taught by people that were really the best in the world it felt like and then the people that I would meet in classes were so talented and good at what they did and a lot of times in ways that would surprise me like you know I remember taking a couple classes and and underestimating people thinking oh this is just 
you know, somebody who's commuting in from Connecticut and is a dabbler and you'd find out that somebody was just massively talented and, and putting you to shame. You really had to show up. And so, so I was taking a bunch of classes over and over and I was working as a consultant doing a lot of traveling uh, for work. And then I decided to slow down my travel work schedule. At the same time, I took my first stand-up comedy class, which was also the same week that Trump got inaugurated. And, yeah, and a fire was lit, and I had the time to really put into it and, and pursue it. So as long as he's been president, I've been doing stand-up comedy, and I haven't been impeached yet. Just saying. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. That's good work. Yeah, That's good you. work. You, you, you'll never be impeached, Amy. No, no one, no one oh, will impeach you. Your, your comedy is unimpeachable. Hey, that's what I this whole time. Hey, <laughs> it hey. was just hanging there. I just had to go for it. So, you know, <laughs> sometimes there's a joke just hanging there. Um, so you yeah. are particularly good at crowd work. Like I've, I've, I've always felt like, like when you're hosting and you're just, you're very, very natural and you're very, very smooth. Do you have a public speaking background or anything where you think that comes from? Uh, I do actually. I, I went to nationals in oratory in high school. So I'm, I'm the Northern Oregon uh, oratory champion for a year that I shall, shall not disclose. So uh, I've been doing public speaking for a long time. Okay. Uh, and then the, the consulting work that I was doing was a lot of facilitation using tools and um, methodology from improvisational theater. So that was getting me up on a lot of stages too and so yeah i do no oh, cool have a background in that all right that makes thing. that makes sense not to, i mean you also could just be good at it like there's you know it's not like there has to be a reason <laughs> but uh but i was just curious because it because it does seem to come particularly natural to you um and now before you got into that now you talk about this in your act i don't know how much you want to talk about it now but you worked for a certain man a certain person that uh, yes, has been in the news quite a bit lately yes although he's faded from view slightly, but um, I, I alluded to graduate school a little earlier. I went to grad school in filmmaking at NYU, and while I was there, I had an internship that turned into a part-time job at Miramax and sometimes worked on the phones or worked in proximity of the yell of Harvey Weinstein. Did he yell a lot? Was there a lot he of yelled yelling? a lot, yeah. 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 He had a very... A booming, resonant voice that I found very compelling, actually. Really? Since it was never directed towards me, so it was just always so interesting and fascinating. I have often been that way. Like, if they're not yelling at me, like, I don't like the yelling, but if they're not actually yelling at me, it's just much easier to take, you know? Right. It's just fine. Right. It's like, oh, well, you know, I guess they're not yelling at this me. This is it's entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is interesting. I guess well, what's he gonna what's he gonna yell about next? I mean, it doesn't make for a fun office environment, but you know, uh, and that I mean, so that was Miramax when it was Miramax, like when it was when yeah, there was some that was that, when it was hot. Miramax. Yeah, I mean, it's, was... it, it's hard to explain to somebody now. Like if I tried to explain to my kids like how big Miramax was, I mean, I don't think there is a studio that that is like that that is doing you know, sort of that successful and that cool. Like that was really and it's the changing place. the game in the same way. You know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. They were the 
first ones, I mean, Pulp Fiction and, and basically all the indie, what we think of as indie film um, and art house film, they they made that commercial in a way. I mean, those films, I think, had always been around, but I think by force of Harvey's personality and awards campaigns, he brought those things to some level of commercial awareness and success that they hadn't experienced before. So they were heady, fun days in a way. You know, once again, I was kind of a part-time observer almost because I I worked for somebody where I was their second assistant, and that person worked in very close proximity to Harvey. And, um, you know, so, so I really had a front row seat to a lot of things, but never was directly in the path of a thrown cheeseburger or, you know, a, a put-out cigarette. So, but but cheeseburgers were thrown and cigarettes were put out. Is you're trying is what you're trying to say? Yeah, I think I know at least cheeseburgers were thrown. So cheeseburgers you know, smoke were thrown. detectors <laughs> were disabled. Uh, yeah. Oh really? So it was, so he was he was oh, smoking, yeah. but he didn't that want it. Was a public story. I think he had to pay a huge fine for disabling a smoke detector on a plane. Um, which is why on a plane. On a plane. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god. Which is why when I heard rumors that he had tampered with his ankle bracelet, I was like, yeah, that, that scans. That's on brand. That works. Yeah. Um, exactly. I, I, had, I hadn't heard that, but that doesn't, but that doesn't shock me. I, uh, but no, yes. <laughs> How do you disable a smoke detector on a plane? Smoke. I mean, what's, what's going through your head? How big do you think you are? You know, like what, well, what kind of big really shot? Big. Yeah. Yes, that's I mean, true. That is true. He was really big. And that, that's true. I guess you could have just bought the plane. Incredibly imposing. I guess yeah. that's true. Yeah, he was he was a physical presence. Like it wasn't just it wasn't just personality. No, it was. I mean, it was terrifying almost and awe inspiring at the same time. It, you know, his voice. It's hard to to describe how the 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 place where it vibrated. You know, like you could kind of feel it in your sternum uh, when he was when he was really going for it and he could be incredibly charming and, you know, he was a great writer. And I mean, I know it sounds disgusting that I'm sitting here saying laudatory things about Harvey Weinstein, but I'm trying to put it in a context of kind of the allure that his power held in its peak and how, how we got here, you know, like I don't, no, he, I don't necessarily think it's a coincidence that a lot of these men get called out and brought down when they've beyond that peak, and you know, it's partially because maybe they're less untouchable then. But you know, when the allure is gone and it's just a gross, dirty old man, I'm not saying that he didn't coerce people or rape people or do the things that he's found been found guilty of doing in a court um, because I think he did but I guess I'm just trying to paint a, a picture of the world and, and how the world maybe let that happen you're in a unique position to talk about him you know because you were you were you were there you were there when it was when it was hot and when that behavior was acceptable 
Like that's the other thing. Like I mean, the I idea that he could have been brought down. Behavior per se, you know, like I I knew that he was flirtatious and all that, but I, you know, I I had maybe a second row seat more than a front row seat. Like I didn't. Fair. I don't think even people who had a front row seat or who were getting cheeseburgers thrown at them, you know, knew um, the full extent of how horrible things were. I think some so, people knew. I'm not going to say everybody knew, but there, somebody some had to know. Like, like yeah. you know, yeah. there, there's, there's got to be. Um, yeah, I don't know, I, and and that's hard. I mean, it was it was one of those things where, what at that time it was it was considered acceptable behavior for him. Like he was that big and that and that important to people's lives, and it's terrible and it's disgusting. Um, but it's also, you know, it, it, it took a long, it took a long time. And also, as you say, it took sort of a bloom to be off the rose, I think, which I think makes a lot of sense. And, you know, I think you kind of alluded to the point that it was a different time in society where, uh, there weren't people saying, listen to women, believe women. And, you know, I, I, would say that probably most women I know that I've talked with about things like this over time have some story of being uncomfortably coerced, date raped, um, you know, molested in some way over time that has caused them um, difficulty. You know, I have a story like that and and the person that did that to me wasn't famous, you know. Mm. So, um, so there was no kind of value in. I mean, it just it's just a thing that happens to people. And I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is that we we still only know the tip of the iceberg of what happened to people and that the ones that make the paper are the famous people, but there are creepy predatory people everywhere that have been since the beginning of time. And there probably will continue to be. And there are people who still see that kind of behavior as quote unimpeachable, but (laughs) that was a callback. Thank you. Yes. Everybody Um, loves a callback. You know, but I do hope that in the past couple of years that, people will be more thoughtful about their own behavior and, you know, what's acceptable. Sure. And listen, I'm sorry that happened to you, and I'm sorry to everyone that it happened to, but you're right, is when it's not a famous person, it's not going to, you know, you're not, there's not going to be headlines. It's not going to be a reckoning. It's not going to be a whole thing, you know? Yeah, totally. And, you know, I mean, I, I think I have a thing about this in my act, but just like the first time I was ever sexually harassed, I had this job in, as a busboy at this restaurant, and the the boss of the restaurant, the manager, would always walk by me and say, oh, Amy, why don't you ever smile at me? You know, mm-hmm. and I had just taken my first women's studies seminar, so I would just sneer at him and, you know, think of Julia Kristeva in my head or something. <laughs> and, you know... And then I got passed over for a promotion. He gave the the job as a waiter that made probably 100% more money to this new guy that I had trained who was dumb as a box of hair. And, you know, it was like, 
oh, and it was so blatantly unfair and horrible, and I was so enraged. Like, I lost nights and nights of sleep about it, thinking, what can I do to make this right? And the answer is nothing. I was powerless. I was a freaking busboy, you know. All I could do was go get another job with somebody less creepy or more fair, but guess what? There aren't a lot of I, I was going to say, like, like ho- hopefully, service you know, hopefully industry. somebody less creepy. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but the, in, in service industry jobs, you know, people are at the mercy of their bosses a lot of times, and, you know, there there you go, full stop, that's it. Yeah. No, and I and I freely admit to you know like I never I actually one of the few things I never did was work in um, bars and re- bars and restaurants. But I I'm sure there was a ton of stuff. Like I used to do telemarketing. I'm sure there was all kinds all kinds of you know discrimination and sexual harassment going on. And you know the only sexual harassment I ever experienced was I worked a lot in theater, and so like gay men would hit on me. But it's like whatever. Ooh. Like I didn't I didn't care. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Like it didn't bother right. it didn't bother me. I wasn't interested. It wasn't a thing that was you know. But but there you know there was it was the kind of thing that if I had done it to a woman, um, it would clear more clearly have been inappropriate. Like there there was like hanging on my shoulders and you know back rubs and you know things of that nature. And I was just sort right. of like eh, you know whatever. But you know, but the thing is like I can I can let it roll off my back because it's not that big a deal. You know, like it's, whereas if you're doing that to a woman, that's completely different. That's totally unacceptable. But it, but it went well, on, yeah. you know, like went on everywhere. And I imagine it went on. And well, I guess when I worked in theater, it didn't because the, uh, for the most part, everyone I worked with in theater was, was either female um, or gay. So it was probably right. not as much of that happening there. But certainly in other in other workplaces, I'm sure it went on right yeah, in front of my nose and I didn't ballet. notice. I'm sorry. Yeah, I said we've heard about it in ballet and other. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I'm not. Absolutely, and there's just you know, I mean, there's all kind, all kinds of stories, all kinds of crazy, crazy stories, yeah. um, and terrible stuff going on. Like where, it, and again, I'm limiting it to you know my limited experience, um, and sort of you know, but I, I just I'm imagining that it went on in front of me, and I didn't notice, and I feel badly about that. Like you know, you sort of wonder like how things could be different if your eyes had been open to it mm. before mm-hmm. the world's eyes were opened. I do have one kind of funny story about sexual harassment. Sure. <laughs> um, that was kind of a fake laugh. It's not that funny. <laughs> but uh, I was working one, my sum, the summer after my first year of college. I came to college here in New York, but I'm from Oregon. And, and so I went back to, to Portland, and my parents said, you're getting a job. And there were not many jobs to be had. So I ended up getting a job that was actually sub-busboy, it was in this kind of cafeteria-like restaurant. So, you know, you weren't even there weren't even waiters to get the runoff from their good tips. It was just if somebody wanted to leave an extra couple bucks on their table when you, you know, cleared their cap. I mean, it was just a terrible, low-paying, crummy job at a crummy place. And I said something to my dad one day, like, I think the environment is really sexist and He's like, oh, you think everybody's sexist now mm-hmm. that you've taken that class. And, <laughs> and, um, and, and there was this woman who was a manager there, and she took me into a storeroom one day, and she said, um, did, the, did the head boss ever make um, advances um, for you? 
And I, because of the preposition she used, I thought she meant, did he ever give me my salary in advance? And <laughs> and I was just kind of like, no, why would he do that? You know, okay, whatever. Anyway, it turned out that um, he had told one of the women who worked in the kitchen that if she didn't sleep with him, that she would lose her job. And we happened to be working in a city building, and they came and took him away in cuffs. Oh, wow. By the end of the day. so. <laughs> See, that's a good story. I like that story. Yeah, it was pretty funny, just my level of misunderstanding of what was happening. <laughs> well, it sounds like they didn't need you. They didn't need your evidence. Worldwide. They got somebody else. That's yeah, awesome. It was, it was a happy ending. For a story. Took I mean, away. not for Took him, obviously. Yes, but, no, no, no. Yeah. Took him away in cuffs. Ooh, I love it. <laughs> I know. I Imagine know. if so things work guys, like that in other places. Do this, yeah, if you're going to do this kind of thing, don't do it in a city government building. You will go down. See, I'm sure it's still going on now. And that's, oh, that's yeah. one of the things that, you know, that's sort of hard. You know, like it, it, I think there's a tendency to, oh, it's in the news with the big guys, and, you know, we, we got this guy, we got this guy, and everything's fine now. And it's sort of like, well, I'm guessing not. You know, like I'm not out in the world in the workplace the way I, the way I used to be. But I got to think that that's just, you know, this is still very prevalent. Like maybe it's a little less so, but I, I don't, you don't change behavior like that overnight. Yeah, it's true. And, and I think it never has come from a place of, I want to rape this person or I want to harass this person. I think that in people's minds, they don't think of themselves as a, you know, a criminal or a predator or any of those things. They somehow are able to convince themselves that they should get something, that they're entitled to it, that they deserve it, that they want it badly enough. And if they could just make the other person understand, then everything would be good. You know, I think that people's minds have to adapt for the most part to make them think that kind of thing's okay. I mean, Rebecca Kaplan, who's been on the show before, do you know her? She's a comic. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. She, I've met her, yeah. She told me, and she shouldn't, shouldn't like tell me directly, like she told a, a group of people that – she did a she did a show and guys were writing her like a Zoom show and guys are writing mm-hmm. like you know oh my god you know take your shirt off you know I want to I want to do nasty things to you I want I want to oh you know get on your face and it was sort of like sure. I, I I read that and I was just like oh my god that's horrible are you, are you crazy I mean how does that happen and she seemed to just sort of I mean I'm not saying she was into it but she was like she took it in stride she was it, it was a little bit like yeah that's the thing that happens. And I just was, well, I, I was so taken aback by that. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that that's the idiom. I mean, with online dating and sexting and sending nude photos and stuff, that somehow that's become in just the way that the, the discourse seems to be now. I mean, I feel so fortunate that I comedy as, you know, I hate, a middle-aged person with a family and everything because I know that there would have been circumstances where I would have made mistakes or, you know, been, I've heard horrible stories about, about women in comedy um, being harassed by 
by other comics. And, you know, it's a pretty incel-y bunch we run with. Uh, I don't know. It's it, I, I feel really grateful that that isn't, that I've only been propositioned a couple times. Not really well, propositioned. Yeah. Once a guy offered me his phone number, I was like, okay, you still got it, girl. But, you know, it, it didn't feel menacing. Right, but you're saying that you think that if you that in a different time it would have been like is is it is it are you saying it still goes on or is it just yeah like I'm getting a sense that almost that a lot of the young um, attractive female comics have to deal with a lot of that kind of stalkery creepy uh, you know over sexualized behavior from men all the time. And, you know, it's part of what's so horrible about it is that you, like, I just watched that movie Bombshell about the harassment at Fox oh, yeah. News. And, you know, you think I'm working as hard or harder than everybody else, and I'm waking up early to go through hair and makeup, and I'm diligent, and I'm smart, and I'm doing my work. And it's so destabilizing and sad and disappointing and horrifying to th- to even have that inkling of, am I only here because somebody wants to sleep with me versus all the hard work and, and everything I've put in, uh, you know, beyond hair and makeup? Like, and it's just, it's just so cruel to do to somebody to, to put that shade of doubt in their mind. Mm. Yeah, I never thought of it that way, but that's a, that's obviously a really good point. I think um, that's and I, one and, of the most horrifying went on. parts of uh, it. Uh, what's the most terrifying part? Or just like horrifying parts to oh, horrifying. to make somebody doubt themselves and their abilities like that when they came to play the game and you start playing a different game with them, not you, Brett, but one. You know, it's just <laughs> it's so cruel and so unkind. Well, and what went on at at Fox was just uh, out of control. I mean, there, you know, that one, you know, they, it's that he he was just completely, I mean, you know, off the rails. I mean, who you know, it has an entire network essentially devoted to you know women dressed the way he likes them. You know, I mean, right. it's really, it's so creepy. I mean, I mean, creepy's insufficient, is. but I'll use that word. Yeah, it is, but at the same time you know, you have, we've elected a president of our country who is 100% bought into that and perpetuates that. And, you know, if somebody kind of threatens his power, he'll degrade their femaleness. And, you know, it's always about looks and about, it's always, sexualized or anti-sexualized or I don't know it's just it's so disheartening for me that that our country's leader kind of has that same attitude like it's not just like oh Fox is this crazy outlier thing we have somebody at the head of our country who's who's saying oh who's just totally disregarding any idea of decency uh, yes, I think that is. I think okay. that. Uh, okay. What did you say? I said yes. Yes. Oh, I'm okay. Glad I, thought you talking, I thought you were talking to some. I thought you were talking to somebody else. Um, 
I didn't want to interrupt. I, I, was, <laughs> I didn't want to stop you. You were on a roll. I didn't want to, I didn't I want to stop you there. I was on a roll. You were on a rant, a rant and roll. That was good stuff. Yeah. Um, so who are some comedians that you like? Who are, who are like, you know, maybe all time favorites or maybe local favorites? I'm glad you're taking us somewhere fun. <laughs> I was just watching. I, I, I like a lot. Uh, you mean professional or I guess, I guess you left that question open enough that I can answer it anywhere yeah, whatever, I want. Wherever, wherever is, it takes you. This is me stalling for time. No, I, I watched the other night, I watched Michelle Wolf's special again. Yeah. And she's so funny. She's so good. She's so great at challenging the orthodoxy of the way we think about something and challenging it. It's It's just really cool to see how you think that she's on your side and sees it the way you're seeing it and we're in this bubble and we're all in it together and then she flips it and it's just it's really masterful to watch she's so smart I love her I love Patton Oswalt I love Sarah Silverman I would say she's one of the earlier people that blew my mind and made me excited about the idea of comedy. I mean, mm. it's it's thrilling to think that I can do this because when I first saw her when I was living in L.A. in the early 2000s, um, I would see her at the Groundlings or see her around or see her, I don't know, was she on TV? I saw her in a movie called Who's the Caboose? And I just was like, Who's the oh, Caboose? What the yeah. heck is that? I've never heard of that. I'm looking. I'm looking it's that up. A movie. It's a movie. I think it was directed by Sam Cedar and starring, I think him and Sarah Silverman, and she's playing this actress who is trying to get roles in New York, and it's just it's so funny and so good. A lot of people. H. John Benjamin, Andy Kindler, Mark Maron, Todd Barry. So a lot you of know nobodies. Yeah, it's yeah really exactly. Bunch of bunch kind of nobodies. Of David David Cross, Laura Keitlinger, Kathy Griffin. It's pretty yeah. good. I know it should be a little more sung. It's it's a, little, yeah, there's definitely. I mean, some nobody ever this. talks about it, but I think of it as a personal comedy classic. Um, so, so those are, I guess, a couple people I like, and then. You know, I I adore Sarah Cooper. I've mentioned her, but I liked her before she was really famous. Um, There's kind of a funny story about that. So, uh, you know, the the consulting I used to do was corporate stuff, and I would read her. uh, She had an e-newsletter or newsletter called the Cooper Review where she would write all this satiric content about office life and corporate life and it was so funny and so astute and so good she's got two books one called um, how to be successful without hurting men's feelings and one I think called tricks for appearing smart um, at work or something you know those are the gist of the titles and she came into an open mic that I was hosting and came in to sign up and I said, oh, your name, please? She said, Sarah Cooper. And I said, Sarah Cooper of the Cooper Review? And I got really kind of verklempt and, like, <laughs> couldn't believe that I was standing in front of this person who's 
humor I was so in awe of. And, cool. You know, she, yeah. So she, I have a ton of admiration for her. And I don't know. I, I like a lot of comics. I guess. That's good. No, those, <laughs> it doesn't that's, sound that's like a nice it, does it? Yeah, it absolutely yeah. does. You went from Michelle Wolf to Sarah Silverman to Sarah Cooper. That's, you know, that's good. Yeah. Patton Oswalt, don't forget him. Patton Oswalt, he's had some success in this business. He's doing all right. Yeah. He's doing all yeah. right. Oh, and of course, Dave Attell. Probably David Tell is the writing. So I was watching my sister breastfeed for a couple of bucks, or you know whatever the, whatever the joke is. I mean, it's like the okay. premise has jokes. Like, and yeah, you right. hosted a show with him, right? You hosted a show with him and Colin Quinn. A couple. I hate to yeah. say it. Maybe three. Three yes. what? Yes. Three shows. I've, oh, three I've, shows with him. Oh, wow. Look at you. Two. I only I only knew about the one. That's amazing. Yeah. What's that? It, what's that it, like when you've got people? Reason. When you've got comedians of that? you know, just that stature, you know, like how, how are they to, to deal with? Well, some of them are fantastic. He's lovely and incredibly gracious. Um, yeah, I, I guess I've done this fundraiser at the comedy cellar now three years in a row, hosting it for my daughter's school. And I, it's been really fortunate to be able to do it three years in a row, a year apart each time, because I've been able to see how I've grown as a comic, but also how I've been able to master my, I don't know, feelings and the way I show up. Like the first year, I barely remember. It was so out of body and terrifying and just, I Oh, it was too much almost, but, you know, it was good for me. And then the second year I kind of was present. And then this year uh, it was just a delight and people were so gracious and, and wonderful. And uh, Colin Quinn, man, that guy, he he performed this year at this fundraiser and he was such a mensch. He was so good to me. Like he, I don't know, he just was really generous and kind of gave me advice without feeling like it was like, well, let me tell you how it really is, kid. You know, there was nothing <laughs> more. It was just generous. And so it's been a, one of the gifts of of doing comedy to be able to do that. It's terrifying, sure. though. What, what was some of his yeah. advice? What was something he said? Uh, well, I mean, this is the way he did it. It was so gentle. It didn't even feel like advice. But he was like, I remember when I was starting out, the hardest thing for me was finding a way to write. And what I did was I would just write pages and pages and pages about something. And then from that would come, you know, two or three jokes, but I would have to really overwrite to find what, what the gem was in there. And, you know, that's fantastic. Great advice. advice. Yeah. Brilliant. So yeah, that's awesome. uh, yeah. yeah, happy I could share the gems with everybody. Yeah. No, no, that's so. that's really cool. That's because um, because these guys they know stuff. That's the thing. Oh my like, gosh. It's not it's, yeah, like so like much. they've been doing it for a long time, and at some point, you know, even someone who doesn't get famous, like they're going to be able to impart to you some useful tips 
you know, and, and it may very, yeah. it may very well be. That's a great, you're right. That's a very gentle way to do it where it's just kind of, you know, when I was starting out, I did this yeah, and you're exactly. like, Oh, okay, hold on. I'm going to write that down. Cause that's really awesome. <laughs> um, Amy, you have been a delightful guest. I, I am not surprised. I knew you would be, but um, unfortunately we have to come to a close, but before we go, can you tell everyone where they can find you on the various social medias? Sure. Um, thanks for asking. I'm at Winona Ice, W-I-N-O-N-A-I-C-E on Instagram and Twitter. I probably will start tweeting more sometime soon. I think <laughs> I'm supposed to be doing that now. And I have a website, amyveltman.com, which is really easy. That is very easy. Um, Veltman, yeah. V-E-L-T-M-A-N. So for for yes, those of v you, V is Victor, or all kinds of other things. V, V. <laughs> all right, uh, Amy, thank you so much for being a guest. You were great. I really appreciate it. Uh, this thank has you been for Brett from the me. bunker. It was so of course, fun. Um, we will be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. And please, everyone, stay safe. Stay safe. Thanks a lot, Brett. <laughs>